Praise the Lord. This is Brother Julius. We are going through the Gospel of Luke. We are now in chapter 19. And I read verse by verse and pause and then give some comments as we proceed in this chapter. Verse 19, chapter 19 from verse 1. And Jesus entered and passed through Jericho. And behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus, which was the chief among the publicans. And he was rich. Remember, the publicans were the class collectors. They were employed by the Roman Empire to be collecting taxes from their own people. And the Jews didn't like them. Why? Because they were collecting taxes. They were working for the enemy. As far as the Jews were concerned, the Romans, that they were thinking the Messiah is coming to deliver them from the Roman Empire. And now the Roman Empire employed these Jews also, Israelites, to be collecting taxes and bringing it to the governor. So the Jews and people in Israel in that time, they didn't like these tax collectors, especially because those collectors also are so not, uh, not honest. They cheat by inflating the tax they are to collect from every person and pocket part of the money and give the remaining to, to the governor. And that makes them to be called, them. they are really sinners. Also. They are cheating their own people, they are working for the enemy, so that's why they classify them as sinners. Now, this one man says is the, is the chief among them. I mean, they have chief cap collector that has tax collector under him also. And they share the money that they lose that they got. But still, so this man, Zacchaeus, was the chief of these publicans. And he sought to see Jesus, who he was, and could not for the press. Because he was little of stature. That's it, he was a midget. And he ran before and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him. For he was to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and saw him and said unto him, Zacchaeus, make haste and come down, for today I must abide at thy house. And he made haste and came down and received him joyfully. And when they saw it, that is all the people that are following and all these Pharisees, they all murmured. They all murmured. I mean, all the people that were saying, this is a rabbi, a holy man of God. And they saw him calling this sheep sinner. So he was going to stay in his house. See, the old mama said that he was going to be guest with a man that is a sinner. And Zacchaeus was no flagabaster that this holy man can come into his house. And that made, that made an impression upon this sinner man that made him to begin to declare that he was going to repent. Verse 8. And Zacchaeus stood and said unto the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor. And if I have taken anything from any man by First accusation, I restore him fourfold. I mean, he was now, now ready to repent. And that was why the Lord came to, why he's visiting those who are sinners. Because if they see, if they are touched by the love that Christ is showing to them, they repent. I want to begin to live a holy life. I mean, they realize that where they are on their way to hell, as this man is dragging them, pulling them out of fire, and they now want to stand and, and live right. And this Zacchaeus began to promise that he was 
going to be restoring to anyone that he has accused falsely, going to restore to them fourfold. And Jesus said unto him, This day salvation come to this house. For so much as he also is a son of Abraham. And these people also they are Israelites. They are people that don't care about religion. They just work worship, they just work for the Roman Empire just for money. And Lord Jesus Christ said, He is also a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man is come to seek and to save that which was lost. And when you look at this, this story, I preach about Zacchaeus in a moment, when you say, how come the Lord really went to this man's house? The Bible says, deep calleth unto deep. This man being a rich man, and, uh, and almost like uh, the, when you are working for the Roman Empire, you are like the mayor of that section, of that city, was chief among his class collectors. He was to, as far as the Roman Empire is concerned, he was like the mayor. He was the one they come to to see that everybody is paying their tax. Also. But then he humbled himself and went and climbed on that tree just to see this man they called the Marabai Jesus that's called performing miracles. God loves humility. And God will, 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 will respond to you when you are humble. He said, God said, I am the high and lofty God that inhabited eternity, but I dwell with the lowly and contrite spirit. So that was what God see in this Zacchaeus. Humble, lowly. Because a rich man, maybe he was wearing a very big garment, but he was low, like any of these small boys, because he was maybe fat, but he was midget. He said, he was so, so he couldn't see above the crowd of people that are following him. He said, so he ran with the boys. The boys wanted to, all the boys, 12 year old, 13 year old, they would want to see this man too. He Climb that is the way. Gee, I'm just about their, about their height. So he ran with them, climbed on top of that sycamore tree, looking down. An elderly man climbing a tree with the boys, looking down to see this. He said, "That is humility." God look at that humility. And the Lord Jesus Christ could see, see deep calling to deep. When a girl was saying, "The Holy Ghost was saying, look at humility right on top of the tree." And the Lord Jesus Christ stopped and saw humility right on top of the tree and said. Zacchaeus, come down. So that was why the Lord went to his house, and the man was like a bastard, almost you know, amazed that the only people never come to my house. <laughs> Praise God. And that was what the Lord said to make us to say, be humble. Either humble himself shall be exalted. That was what you see in Zacchaeus, is that humility of going to climb the tree with the boys. Even though he was a rich man, and well to do like the mayor of the town because he was the one the Romans come to. The Roman governor went to find out who is who's not paying tax and come to Sakius. He's the one as a charge. But it's humility like that is what God ordered. So if you are humbling yourself, God will exalt you. Now we are now in verse 11 of Luke chapter 19. And as they heard these things, he heard it and speak a parable because he was nigh to Jerusalem. And because they thought that the kingdom of God should immediately appear. And the apostles, the disciples that are following the Lord Jesus Christ, the disciples are people that believe any time you come to their town, they gather. Okay? And then when he went past their town, they might go back home, but the apostles, the twelve, are going with him anywhere they are preaching together. Also. So now, when he is teaching, when the Lord is teaching, he was not only teaching the disciples, he's teaching the apostles. Sometimes it will be only the apostles that were there, but sometimes the disciples are also there. The rest of the crowd, they just come and listen and go home, never really understand what he was taking. So he said, those are parables. He will explain to those. Verse 12, the Lord was going to teach another thing here about the parable. Verse 12 said, And he said, therefore, 
a certain nobleman went into a far country to receive for himself a kingdom and to return. And he called his ten servants and delivered them ten pounds. That is a pound for every servant. And said unto them, Occupy till I come. But his citizens hated him and sent a message after him, saying, We will not have this man to reign over us. And it came to pass that when he was returned, having received the kingdom, he got the kingdom. Then he commanded his servants to be called unto him, to whom he had given the money, that he might know how much every man has gained by trading. Then came the first, saying, Lord, thy pound has gained ten pounds. And said unto him, Well, thou good servant, because thou hast been faithful in a very little, have thou authority over ten cities. Now I've preached upon this in my sermons, in some of the sermons I preach in my church, that it, this is symbolizing we servants of God that He is giving responsibility to do his, to do a work for Him. Occupy till I come. Everybody is giving responsibility. Now this Bible is talking about he is like the son of man will go away and then come back to see how much you have gained by trading. That was what this Bible is saying. He gave everyone ten, one one pound each. In the other parable, there's another parable where it looked like he gave them one five pounds, five talents, that one used talents. I think it was in the book of Matthew. Talents, five talents, two talents, and one talent. According to their several abilities, are also talking about similar things, but it's a little bit different in that this one, it looked like all the ten servants just give them one pound each. Also. But the result is the same. When he came back, he was going to ask them how much they have done, how much they have won in the trading, and the one that got more profit gave him more responsibility. You rule over ten cities. The one that got five more, you rule over five cities. It's like the only person you can trust to rule with you are those whom you have been entrusted as your servants. They are ruling, they are working for you while you are away. And you can then trust them, then they will keep working for you when you are back also. So that is what you see in this story. And it's also telling us something about the kingdom of God when Christ has come. The responsibility you are doing for him right now, whether as a preacher, as a pastor, or as a layman, you're just sponsoring the, the work of the Lord. That sponsoring him with your finances is also a responsibility. It's a, or you are just witness to one person in the streets in your neighborhood. It's also a responsibility. That's how much you are able to do, that he gives to you to do. And you are faithful, you are going to be rewarded for that. Those that he gave them big nets to be going to the ocean with crooks and mighty people, are, many people are one, they are also going to be giving big responsibilities. People that are sponsoring them with financial support, they are also going to be giving a reward for their responsibility. So that is what you should think of when you look at this parable. Because those whom he has entrusted as servants to do work for him, when he, came, when he comes back, they are the one you can also trust to keep working for him when he's now ruling. See what you see here in verse 17 of Luke chapter 19 that we are reading. Well, thou good servant, because thou hast been faithful in a very little, have thou authority over ten cities. That is, this same person can rule with him because you are ruling ten cities under him. So you are ruling because he can trust you. Because you have just been trustworthy, because he gave you something to do, you do it well and you bring some profit, you will be able to undo this one also. also. And the second came saying, Lord, thy pound has gained five pounds. And he said, likewise to him, be thou also over five cities. See? This man can undo five cities. 
because he was able to produce 5%, not 5 pounds, over 55 times, 500%. This one is able to bring 100, 1,000% also. So he said, well, you can run do more. So he give them more responsibility. Another came saying, Lord, behold, here is thy pound, which I have kept laid up in a napkin. I fear thee because thou art an austere man. Thou take us up thou, thou lead us on thou. And he paid that thou did not so. Verse 22. And he said, Out of thy own mouth will I judge thee, thou wicked servant. Thou knowest that I was an austere man, picking up that I laid not down, and reaping that I did not so. Wherefore then givest not thou my money to the bank. Now that my coming I might have required my own with use, that is with interest. And he said unto them that stood by, Take from him the pound and give it to him that has ten pounds. And he said unto him, Lord, he has ten pounds. But he said unto you, Unto everyone which has shall be given. And from him that has not, even that he has shall be taken away from him. But those my enemies which would not, which would not that I should reign over them, bring it down and slay them before me. So that parable was talking about the rewarding of the servants according to how the Trade with the money that was given, the responsibility are given to you, that given to you, you do it well, you'll be rewarded according to your several habits. And the Lord also said that in the book of Revelation, chapter 22. Let's do that in because this is the same thing that you are teaching us in these parables. In Revelation, chapter 22, verse 12. And behold, I come quickly, and my reward is with me to give every man according as his work shall be. So it is God rewarding us according as our work. The work you are talking about is this work He gives to you. Of course, if you are not living the right life, you most likely won't get there. But the work, the responsibility He gives to you or not, will be rewarded according to what the Bible is saying, according as your work shall be. Now, we are still in Luke chapter 19, verse 28. Is the triumphant entry to Jerusalem. And when he had thus spoken, we went before ascending up to Jerusalem. And it came to pass when he was come nigh to Bethphage and Bethany, at the mount called the Mount of Olives, he sent two of his disciples. Now, Bethphage and Bethany, according to the map, is two villages before you get to Jerusalem on that journey. One go right on this road, you go to Bethphage, go left, you go to Bethany. So that's why they call it Bethphage and Bethany. He said unto them, Go ye into the village over against you. Now, we don't know whether that means Bethany Bet or it means Bethphag. But one of the village that he was sending them to go and bring that us, they go ye into the village over against you. And in the which at your entering ye shall find a cold tide, whereon yet never man sat. Loose him and bring him hither. If any man asks you, Why do ye lose him? Thus shall ye say unto him, Because the Lord has need of him. And they that were sent went their way and found even as he had said unto them. And as they were losing the colt, the owners thereof said unto them, Why lose ye the colt? And they said, The Lord has need of him. And they brought him to Jesus. And they cast their garments upon the colt, and they set Jesus thereon. Now, this was actually prophecy. When you look at the book of Matthew, that we have read before, chapter 21, it said, This is fulfilling the prophecy that said, the little daughter of Zion, the, your king cometh unto thee, lowly riding upon the coat, the fold of an ass. And in that matter, he was saying that Charlie, it was the two, the mother and the baby coat were both there, and they brought both of them. But it looked like, according to the prophecy, it was the coat, the baby coat that I've never been reading, that they 
that he that logically wrote upon. Verse 36. Verse 35 says, and they brought the coat to Jesus and they cast their garments upon the coat and they set Jesus there. And as he went, they spread their clothes in the way. When he was come now, even now at the descent of the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of the disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice for all the mighty words that they had seen. I mean, they were thinking, well, the new the kingdom we are waiting for is about to arrive when we arrive at Jerusalem. Of course, you know why we are nothing. And so now, the Lord is riding into Jerusalem. Prophetically, has a meaning. And we get there when we get to that meaning that he was riding into Jerusalem as a prophetic representation of something. So they started saying, Blessed be the king that cometh in the name of the Lord, peace in heaven and glory in the highest. Blessed be the king that cometh in the name of the Lord, peace in heaven and glory in the highest. Now, when you compare that with what was said when he was born, he said, Peace on earth and good with towards me. Now, this one is saying, when he was going down out to Jesus, he said, Peace in heaven. So, someone likes their prophesying, don't you see? Their prophesying is going back to heaven. But when he was being born, according to the story of the birth of Christ that the angels manifested after he was born, telling the shepherds that, Glory to be to God, peace on earth. And the Prince of Peace come to earth. That's what it really be. Prince of Peace. Christ is the Prince of Peace. Come to earth. Now, he was going to Jerusalem, and we know that we can look back and say he was going there to be crucified. But start here is what we are explaining. Blessed be the king that cometh in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. They are prophesying that the Prince of Peace is going back to heaven. That's the peace in heaven. When he was coming, the angels were saying, Peace on earth. But when he was riding back to Jerusalem for the final time, the disciples were saying, Peace in heaven. They were prophesying. They may not realize what they are saying, but they were saying that the Prince of Peace is going back to heaven. And that is really exactly what happened also. Now, verse says, And some of the Pharisees from among the multitude said unto him, Master, rebuke thy disciples. And he answered and said unto them, it, I tell you that if these should hold their peace, the stones will immediately cry out. When he was come near, he beheld the city and wept over it, saying, if thou hast known, even thou at least in this thy day, the things which belong unto thy peace, but now they are hid from thy eyes. For the days shall come upon thee, that thy enemies, now he's talking about the Roman, the Roman Empire, will be the enemy now. Thy enemies shall cast a trench about thee, and compass thee round, and keep thee in on every side, and shall lay thee even with the ground. And thy children within thee, and they shall not live in thee one stone upon another, because thou knowest not the time of thy visitation. Verse 45. Now, when you see the lamentation, the Lord lamented over Jerusalem, he was prophesying about the destruction of Jerusalem that happened later, about AD 17, after Christ was crucified and resurrected, and he went back to heaven. And he prophesied that in the, you see that when you get to Luke chapter 21, and also in Matthew chapter 24, that the city will be destroyed. And the abomination of desolation will be the beginning of it. And the place will be desolate for thousands of years, which has fulfilled. In our generation, now we are looking back and see that Jerusalem was destroyed in 70 AD, and the Jews were scattered worldwide, and they never come back until 1900 and something AD, which is almost, almost 1,900 and something years before they now form a nation called Nation of Israel again, 1948. But Jesus Christ was prophesying about that, lamenting over them, 
over the city in these verses where he said they, have, they do not know the time of their visitation. Now verse 45, And he went into the temple and began to cast out them that sold therein and them that bought. Saying unto them, It is written, My house is the house of prayer, but ye have made it a den of thieves. And he taught daily in the temple, but the chief priests and the scribes and the chief of the people sought to destroy him. and could not find what they might do. All the people were very attentive to hear him. That is the end of chapter 19. I shall go into chapter 20 in a few minutes. Now I'm going to continue into chapter 20. Now, when you look at chapter 19, where he went to the temple and started sending people out and say, It is written, My house is to be called a house of prayer, and you have made it ten of things. That was also a prophecy. That was already prophesied. That we, uh, we talk about that when we are talking to him about this in the book of Matthew. That there was a prophecy that's actually Matthew alone recorded that after he became like a, as a king, riding into the Jerusalem days, riding in like a king. They know him to be a prophet. He rode in like a king because they were saying, Blessed is the blessed is seed that coming in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the king, verse 38, that we just read. Let's say be the king. So he rode in as a king. Now he went into the temple and started taking charge of the temple. That's a priest. Priest's job. So now triple count ministry has to be challenged. Prophet, king, and priest. And the only the triple crown ministry person is the great king of Jerusalem. According to the eternal ordinance. So he was a prophet and he rode in as a king and now he took charge of the temple. Now that's triple crown. That's call for the spiritual world to be allowed because of the ordinance that was reported to King David and said, you can't come in here unless you can take away the blind and the lame. And it's only Matthew that reported it that the blind and the lame came to him in that temple and said, you became the priest here. They came into the temple and they healed them all. That's how he took away the blind and the lame. You see that in the book of Matthew chapter 21. So you see, that was prophecy fulfilled. That it was not reported here like that. That you refer to it in Matthew chapter 21, verse 12 and 13, measure something like that. Now let's go to chapter 20 of Luke. And it came to pass that on one of those days, as he taught the people in the temple and preached the gospel, the chief priests and the scribes came upon him with the elders and spake unto him, saying, Tell us by what authority doest thou these things? Or who is it that give thee this authority? Now, they were actually challenging his authority to be preaching in the temple. Because they know those who are teachers and preachers, they either have gone through this school of Gamaliel or this school of somebody, and they were reputed as priests or Levites, or they were So they know those people. But Christ came from Galilee, and he came by and forth and just started teaching and preaching in the temple. And of course, they have heard about him making signs and wonder miracles and so on, they didn't agree with all those things. And they said he was doing it on Sabbath day. Some people have reported him. They didn't agree with it. And now he came to the temple, sending everybody out. So now they wanted to challenge his authority. I mean, the rulers of the temple. Who gave you the authority to be doing what you are doing? That's what he came to challenge him. They said, Tell us, by what authority doest thou these things? Or who is it that gave thee this authority? How, how come you are telling people to get out of the temple? Who gave you the authority to do that? And you are even teaching the temple. When you do become a teacher, 
gave you the right to be teaching. All of those things, what they are lumped together. And he answered and said unto them, You know they have been, you know about him. He has come back and forth every for the past two years, he's come to the temple and received him. But this is the first time that he took over and came here as a king, you know. The other one he came as a prophet. Now he rode it as a king, it's a different, it's a different story. Because they were saying, Blessed is the king. The people that are following him are saying he is the king. So that was why they have to now be really confronting Babada also. So the Lord Jesus Christ answered and said, I will also ask you one thing and answer me. The baptism of John was it from heaven or of men? <laughs> I mean, John the Baptist, by that time, John the Baptist was dead. But when he was preaching about when John the Baptist was baptized, people, all the people were flocking to him to be baptized because they believed he was a prophet sent by God at their generation. And the chief priests and those who learned hard about it, they tried to confront John the Baptist also, but uh, John the Baptist said, The one after me, the one after me is the one. So they kind of, well, you see somebody else is coming, so they didn't bother him much anymore. That doesn't mean they believe him, but they just kind of step back. He said somebody is coming around, and here comes Jesus Christ doing the same thing. And said, this is the one I mentioned about. So now they watch Jesus on this hand, they didn't like everything that Jesus Christ was doing. He was doing my signs and wonders here. He was doing this on the Sabbath day, they didn't like that. And, and he didn't come to introduce himself, to make himself familiar with them. I mean, people always want you to come and be under them. Honor them, then they will support you. If you are not doing that, they won't support you. They keep their money if they have to, if the money is what they think, or they, keep, or they will criticize you on the back. See, but Christ is God, you see. So now they came and confronted him that who gave you this authority when he even wrote it as a king and was taking charge of the temple. And Lord said, Well, tell me, John the Baptist was it, his baptism was it from heaven or of men? I mean, he just made it up. So they reasoned with themselves, verse 5, saying, If we shall say from heaven, he will say, Why then believe ye him not? Well, we can't say that it's from heaven. Why don't you believe him? But if we say it's of men, all the people will stone us, for they be persuaded that John was a prophet. All the people that are listening, all the crowd in the table. If you say, Well, we don't believe God, we don't believe John the Baptist, they think it's from men, then the people say, No, no. John was a great prophet. So they know that they, they can't say that before the crowd. If we say it's of men, all the people will stone us, for they be persuaded that John was a prophet. So they came back and told Jesus and said, We cannot tell. They said, so, and they answered that they could not tell whence it was. So Jesus Christ said unto them, Neither tell I you by what authority I do this thing. You can't tell of John, I don't need to tell you mine, no sir. Because if they are able to say John was from here, then if they agree with John, then they should agree with him because John pointed to him also. If they don't agree with John, then I don't need to tell you, give me authority. So forget about it. Verse 9. Then began he to speak to the people this parable. The Lord Jesus Christ continues his teaching. A certain man planted a vineyard and let it forth to all his men and went to a far country for a long time. And at the season, he sent a servant to the husbandman that he should give him of the fruit of the vineyard. But the husbandman beat him and sent him away empty. And again, he sent another servant and they beat him also and entreated him shamefully and sent him away empty. And again, he sent a third and they wounded him also and cast him out. Then said the Lord of the vineyard, What shall I do? 
I will send my beloved son. Maybe they will reference him when they see him. But when the husband men saw him, they reasoned among themselves, saying, This is the heir. Come, let us kill him, that the inheritance may be ours. So they cast him out of the vineyard and killed him. What therefore shall the Lord of the vineyard do to unto them? He shall come and destroy this husband men and shall give the vineyard to, to others. And when they heard it, they said, God forbid. I mean, that was how Luke reported this. In the other gospel, he said, he asked them that what, what will the Lord of the vineyard do to, the, to this husband man? The people responded and said, he will come and destroy this husband man and give his people his vineyard to others. According to that Matthew report, it was the people that gave that judgment. And then the Lord continued. But here, it looked like he was, he, Luke was trying to say, it was the Lord that said, he will come and give his vineyard to others, he will destroy this one here. And, and Luke was saying, the, the chief priest and ruler said, God forbid. Then he beheld him and said, What is this then that is written? The stone will the builders rejected. The same is become the head of the corner. Whosoever shall fall upon that stone shall be broken, but on whomsoever it shall fall, it will gain him to powder. In short, the Lord was, according to this rendering of the report, the Lord was saying, The stone will this chief priest are rejected that they don't want this one, the, the Messiah is the chief cornerstone. Is the really important, the most important of the, of the building of the temple of God is Christ. The chief cornerstone, but that's the one that these rulers that are trying to, trying to build God the temple, spiritual temple, they don't want this one. But you see, the Messiah that they rejected is the chief cornerstone. That's what he was saying here. And he said, if you fall upon this stone, it will break you to pieces. If you fall upon you, you grant your power. So it's power to judge. Now, let's continue. Verse 19. We are reading the Gospel of Luke, chapter 20. We are in verse 19. And the chief priests and the scribes, the same hour sought to lay hands on him. And they feared the people, for they perceived that he had spoken this parable against them. The parable that the vineyard will be taken away from the, the husband man and given to somebody else that will, walk, that will be bringing the fruit in due season. They thought he must be speaking about us. According to this story, that the passive he spoke the parable against them. I don't know how they understood it, but we know that yes, he was speaking against the, the people, the rulers of Israel. According to we can look back and see what does that really mean. He was speaking this vineyard is God's vineyard. God was the husband, is Lord that owned the vineyard. The husband men are these rulers that are expected to be taking care of the vineyard that now saw this, the, the prophets and the servants of God that have been trying to tell them. To produce good fruit, that's the, that's the seed. They come and get fruit from them. And they kill the prophets because they are telling them what to do. Also, they kill the prophets and that's why he said, they kill one, they stole another one, and then he said, I will send my only begotten son. Maybe they reference him. And that's when the Messiah came. And he said, let's kill this one. So they killed the Messiah. That was what he was saying. They killed they kill the Messiah. According to that prophecy, he was telling them they are going to kill him. And they said, what do you think God, the Lord of the will come and destroy this city, destroy all these people, so, and give the vineyard to other person? When you are saying God is going to take it away from Israel, God forbid. That's what you always think. Israel, God is for Israel, God forbid. But see, he said, well, if you don't believe that, the kingdom of God will take it away from you, is what he said in the other gospel, and give it to another nation that will bring forth the fruit thereof. 
of course, many other countries, England say we are the nation, America say we are the nation. Any people that is preaching the gospel, we are all the nation, not just one particular geographical nation. Okay, let's continue in verse. Well, that's debatable because many people think their country is the one that's preaching the gospel. England, over the years, was sending missionaries. They thought we are the nation that is, Jesus Christ was talking about. When America is now sending the gospel, preaching ministries out and gospelers and missionaries out, America thought we are the nation. Canada was saying we are the nation also. But they are also sending missionaries. Every country that is sending missionaries to go and evangelize thought they are the nation. But see, the nation is every believer that are preaching the gospel. We are a nation to ourselves. They say, you are a peculiar people, a holy nation. Who is he talking to? Believers. We are the holy nation. So that's the better way to look at it rather than saying it is England or the, the Irish. But they also send missionaries also. Or it's Canada. Oh, it's America. No. All of us are sending missionaries. He said, we are the holy nation. Apostle Peter said it. We are a peculiar people, a royal priesthood, and holy nation. So we are a nation to ourselves, every believer. So that is the nation that I would prefer also interpret that to mean that the nation that you bring forth the fruit thereof. Now let's go to, we are now in verse 19. We are going to verse 20 of Luke chapter 20. And say, this chief priest, they washed him and sent forth spies. Which should feign themselves just men, that they might take hold of his words, that so they might deliver him unto the power and authority of the governor. And they asked him, saying, Master, we know that thou seest and teachest rightly. Neither accepted thou the person of any, but teachest the way of God truly. I mean, try to flatter somebody. Before they throw in their question, is it lawful for us to give tribute unto Caesar? Or no. I mean, tribute is the tax. They try to say, well, should we be paying tax to Tisa? Because they, that's where they are born. Because they say Tisa is dominating them and they are have to pay tax to Tisa. They are sending money to Rome. And they say, well, is it lawful to, for us to give tribute to Tisa? Verse 23 says, But he perceived their craftiness and said unto them, Why tempt ye me? Show me a penny. Whose image and superscription has it? The answer is the Caesar's. He said unto them, Render therefore unto Caesar the things which be Caesar's, and unto God the things which be God's. And they could not take hold of his words before the people, and they marveled at his answer and held their peace. And they were trying to frame him. If he had spoken against taxation, then they would tell the governor, the governor would come and arrest him. That was. And even then, when, they are, when the logical were arrested, they were still accusing him that he said they shouldn't pay tax, which he never told them not to pay tax. But the governor that they were telling knew about what he said. Because they were, these people were reporting back to the governor and said, the man who said something amazing, he said, give to Caesar what belongs to Caesar. So the governor already knew what he said. But when the chief priest arrested Jesus Christ, he said they shouldn't pay tax. The governor didn't believe them. Because they, they have their ears on the ground hearing from the Soldiers and the people in the street, what's going on over there? What did the man teach? If he said anything wrong, they would have arrested him, but they know he didn't say anything wrong. So that was why they couldn't lay hold on anything what he said here in verse 26. Verse 27. Then came to him certain of the Sadducees, which denied that there is any resurrection, and they asked him, Say, Master, Moses wrote unto us, If any man's brother die, having a wife, and he die without children, that his brother should take his wife and raise up seed unto his brother. Now, there were, therefore, is 
Therefore, seven brethren, and the first took a wife and died without children. And the second took her to wife, and he died childless. And the third took her, and in like manner the seven also. And they left no children and died. Last of all, the woman died also. Therefore, in the resurrection, whose wife of them is she? But seven other had to wife. I mean, these Sadducees, they don't believe in resurrection. And they were debating it between themselves and saying, well, God himself will have confusion on that day if there's any resurrection. Look at an example. They make this one so seven, seven men. Now, how is God going to solve this one problem? That's how they are thinking. But they came to ask Jesus Christ that because that was what their argument has been with the other Pharisees. Pharisees believe there is a resurrection where the dead in Christ, the, all the dead will be resurrected one day. But they were thinking when they are resurrected, they will all marry again and start over another life. No. But Christ was going to settle this once and for all for them. And Jesus answered, said unto them, verse 34, The children of this world marry and are given in marriage. The day we shall be accounted worthy to obtain that world and the resurrection from the dead, neither marry nor are given in marriage. Neither can they die anymore, for they are equal unto the angels and are the children of God, being the children of the resurrection. Now, that will baffle them. Because nobody was still thinking Moses knew anything about this. Until the one from heaven came and told us this. Christ said it. That... God is harvesting human beings into his kingdom. And when we harvest we become like angels, never to marry anymore. Never to marry anymore. We became eternal. And that is what Christ is showing here. So we become children of God. When they are, they, they, through the resurrection, it's going to bring them a new body that will be eternal. And we become children of God, children of the resurrection. So they never, they never die anymore. And they don't marry nor give in marriage. He says, we are just like angels. Which means the angels of God that we think are spiritual angels that we know about, that can manifest, they pass while they, they were harvested like that, too. But he's saying that is what we are going to be asked to harvest to become. Say this world is the field. So it was the Messiah that revealed all these things to us. Verse 37 continues, he said, Now that the dead are raised, even Moses showed at the bush when he called the Lord the God of Abraham and the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob. For he is not a God of the dead. But of the living, for all live unto him. Which means Abraham that they thought was dead. Yeah, he was dead physically. His dead body was sitting in the grave. But his spirit and soul is the real you. My spirit and my soul that is the real me. This coast, this body is a coast where we are wearing like a, like a house. And if your house is being demolished, you run out. Also, if you have a physical house and the house is being demolished, you run out of the house. And you have nowhere, nowhere else to go. That was what our body is. When the body is being destroyed, whatever way it's being destroyed, the spirit and soul run out through the mouth. Ah. Our last breath, but it's the spirit invisible. And then they are escorted to heaven or to uh, trial by the devils into paradise, into hell. The satanic spirits take them to hell or they are escorted to paradise. Also, waiting for the resurrection. They are not in heaven yet. They are just waiting for God promise is going to re resurrect all those bodies, give them a new body. And bring their spirits and so back into a new body that God is going to create. It's called a mortal body. That's what uh, the, the gospel has been preaching to us, and that is the truth. And that's what Christ was saying that in that new body, a resurrected body, it, we're going to be as angels, those who are saved. That's why he said, They which are counted worthy to attain that world. It's accounted worthy. 
So it's not every woman being that you are going to be accountable. Those who are accountable are those that are saved, that are going to be living in that kingdom of God forever. While those who are lost will be thrown into the lake of fire forever. Like an incinerator. You see that in the book of Revelation chapter 20. That the people, all the dead will be resurrected in the last day. All the dead. That a woman will be resurrected on this planet to stand before God. Be given a new body that will be immortal. But those that are not saved, their immortal body will be thrown with them into the lake of fire. While those that are saved will live on this kingdom of God, in this kingdom of God forever, in the new heaven and the new earth. That is what Christ says, they will be as angels. No more ban, no more marriage, no more man, no more giving in marriage. Verse 39. So verse 30 said, All live unto God. God sees Brian where he sat right now. God sees all those prophets that were dead to us, they are there, but in wherever they are in paradise, they are still praising God, they are still praying to God. And God can still see them in the spiritual world where they are. Because we came from somewhere, entered this physical body, and we went back to somewhere where we were waiting for the real body God is going to give, a new body is going to give to mankind when, he, when it is done. Verse 39. Then certain of the scribes answering said, Master, thou hast wasted. And after that, they does not ask him any question at all. And he said unto them, God, now the logical was going to ask them a question which none of them could answer. He said, I will say they that Christ is David's son, and David himself said in the book of Psalms, The Lord said unto my Lord, Sit down on my right hand, till I make thy enemies thy footstool. David therefore called him Lord. How is he then his son? Well, of course, in Matthew, the book of Matthew, the crown answer, answer that. Now, Jesus continue in verse 45. Then in the audience of all the people, he said unto his disciples, Beware of the scribes which desire to walk in long groups and love greetings in the markets and the highest seats in the synagogues and the chief rooms at feasts which devour widows' houses and for a show make long prayers. The same shall receive greater damnation. And he's more or less pointing to some of the practices of these scribes and Pharisees. How they, they say they devour widows' houses. I mean, they come to visit the widow. The widows are what the men of God are here. They try all their best to feed them, to to, uh, to entertain them. As widows are there, they are because these people have not much money. But when the men of God came, they have to find everything they can to feed them, entertain them. And then for their reward, they begin to pray long prayers so that they think they are blessing the widow. He said they are, he said they are hypocrites. He said they are going to receive greater damnation because if they are not living right, all those things will be like oppressing the widow. Now that is the end of chapter 20. We continue this in the next chapter. God bless you. Amen.